Another week in paradise comes and goes as us Bears fans have very civil conversations online about a brand new topic. What are the Bears going to do at quarterback? I'm kidding with you. Today, Nick and I plan on going through options at number nine while talking, I guess, a little bit about the quarterback. You have to these days, as well as setting the expectations for what more offseason podcasts are going to look like. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears-obsessed podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Bears blog, alongside my wonderful co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And Nick, another week in Chicago, right? I mean, I know that Justin Fields just told us that people take social media too seriously, but goodness gracious, are you getting tired of the arguments because as much as it may not look like it for me sometimes, I, I am about at my breaking point talking about this topic because somebody said this, I saw it. They said Bears fans have been talking about this since October. I think that was Kevin Fishbane talking to Rich yep. Eisen. He's right. It yep. has been a long time of talking about the same discussion. Where are you at with all this? Yeah. Well, honestly, like, it's because we haven't had the quarterback yet. I mean, we feel like well, once you get the quarterback, the discussion goes away and it's going to pivot to, you know, can you win a Super Bowl or will you make the playoffs, whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm sick of it. But also, I mean, it's a good discussion because one, it's Lovey Smith's fault, which makes it a good discussion. Thank you, Lovey. It's, you know, it's. Justin Fields' fault some. It's the coaching. Like, there's so many reasons of why we're having this discussion. But, oh, yeah, I mean, it is exhausting because it's who did he unfollow on Instagram? Like, <laughs> I don't care. And I don't care. It's, you know, taking any sliver of any information. And let's, this means this for Ryan Poles or Kevin Warren said this. And then, I mean, it's like, y'all, oh, like, don't we, forget we still have the, the combine. We still got pro days. We still got free agency. Like there are bigger things to fry than who he follows on Instagram. Nick, never forget that we aren't that far removed from Justin Fields is staying. Look, he's on the London game promo. How are they going <laughs> to trade this guy? I mean, it has been all off season. And here's one thing I think is hard. So uh, Nick hasn't prepped this at all. It's not in our show sheet. So Nick, just prepare yourself. I'm going to do some rapid fire questions. Okay. So pretend you're a Packers fan. Now, I'm going to give you a couple seconds to process that because I need you I, mean, just... I, I live in Wisconsin. This is easier for me. Okay, perfect. All right, so uh, outside looking in, right? Is Jordan Love a top 10 quarterback? Uh, for them, yes. Okay, well, overall, I'm including... So you can include your personal perspective as a Bears fan. I'll say he's outside of it. I want to get prove it for two years. He's probably like 12-ish. I agree with you. Okay, so if Jordan Love, or if you had the opportunity to draft Drake May over Jordan Love as a Green Bay Packer, would you? Uh, right now, no. Probably not, because Jordan Love showed you enough to stick with him, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think Jordan Love's overrated? Uh, I do. Knowing that, you'd still stick with him, because yes. when a quarterback cracks the top 12, he forces your hand, right? Yeah. I'm, I don't think that I have made this clear enough, so I want to make it clear on my podcast here with you that if Justin Fields had broken that top 12, I would be all over trading down. I can't help but think, Nick, that sometimes we just, we do such a good job of creating these divisions between the Caleb side and the Justin side oh that we forget that this is an almost unfortunately lucky coincidence of circumstances where mm-hmm. if the Bears were drafting at five and nine, we, we talked about this last time, I think. We would look into our options. We would seriously think about it, but we would probably settle on, I really don't think you can do better with Jaden Daniels or J.J. McCarthy than you're going to do with Justin Fields. Just take the players and trade down. Yep. Or if Justin Fields was, you did have number one, but Justin Fields had been that Geno Smith, Jordan Love level player, you stick with them anyways. You say, yep. we can win with this. Not, not, mm-hmm. we can even win because of this and mm-hmm. we can roll here, but instead you're left with one bur- or one option that is effectively two in the bush in Caleb Williams and another option that is also two in the bush, which is Justin Fields's projection. And the moment you're doing 
projections on both guys, the discussion, I think, starts to lean towards the... I don't know. I don't want to get into all that because it's it's less about it being proven. It's more, at least to me, Nick, I think it's worth mentioning that nobody hates Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is one of the coolest people alive, right? Mm -hmm. And God knows, I, like you, desperately wanted the guy to be the franchise guy. Posted yep. my reaction to him getting drafted just the other day. Man, I was over the moon like a seven-year-old unwrapping a Christmas present. I, I thought, to use the exact words that went through my mind, man, I was like, God is a Bears fan today. Like, it felt mm -hmm. like one of those seminal moments where the cloud opened and said, the Bears finally have their quarterback. And yep. I'm bummed that it didn't work I, out. I, yeah, I, I had this. I had the same feeling when they traded for Jay Cutler too, though. Did you have that same feeling then? <laughs> I didn't. So I was just young enough as a Bears fan that I didn't know that that had happened. So I get my dad telling me the Bears traded for this guy, and then I watch him, and I was a fan for life. Like, yeah. especially as a young kid, do you know how many arguments in the city of Dallas that I had about Jay Cutler being better than Tony Romo? A lot. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, but, but you're right. Like in the end, like this is, um, I, I'm a bears fan y'all like, mm -hmm. like I, I've, I've longly, longly said, I will roll with whatever Ryan Poles wants here. And actually I think that ties into to kind of what I have here because mm -hmm. I, I posed this question on Twitter actually this week. I was like, what would it take you to trade away from the one-on-one? And there's some people they're like, nothing like and to me that you're looking at it wrong because in the end there has to be some package where even if you let's say you don't believe in justin fields okay i don't care if you want to roll with tyson bajan however right. whatever you, you, there has to be a scenario in your head where like you know what we can get so many weapons such an offensive line such a defense we can brock purdy a team whatever that it would make it worth it to trade away from the one-on-one, but some people don't think that way. But to me, I think it is because in terms of a financial sense, in terms of a talent sense, like Justin Herbert is a franchise quarterback, <laughs> but he can't carry the team, okay. right? Cause you need the team too. So mm -hmm. to me, there's two parts to this. So I think in this exercise, Robert, you know, I mean, I think that we can see both sides of this, I hope but so. there has to be a package where Robert or you listening would be okay trading away the one-on-one. So I'm going to start with this, okay? I can already give you two, one I mean, if you'd like me to. Go Do, do you what? want one? Well, I I have- or Do I have you want to hit me with the scenarios? Yeah, yeah, I have a bunch of them. So, so we're going to assume here, Robert, that and everyone listening, that Caleb is your, your top quarterback. There are some people that don't have Caleb as the top one, but we're going to assume it's Caleb, okay? I can even give you my little ranking sheet right now sure, if you'd like sure, sure if you want to yeah so i think caleb williams is a unique player and the uniqueness intrigues me i'm going to lead with that unique word every single time i get the chance because i don't want to pretend nick that i think that there's any such thing as a surefire prospect we don't know Jay caleb's uncanny ability to scramble his outrageous release his ability to throw from nearly no or from pretty much no platform at all which for those of you who don't know what a platform is that basically means that whether caleb williams sets his feet or not he can drive the ball to out on the outside of the numbers and basically to anywhere within the first 30 yards of the field which covers what would you say nick conservatively about 90 5% of throws in football, like within 30 yards or so. But so Caleb has a set of skills. I don't want to talk about Mahomes. You can quote, or you could cite my comparison to Rogers, but it's more to say Caleb is a unique. I don't want to call it a new thing. It's more like it's a rare thing to find. They don't make the Caleb Williams type quarterbacks in a lab, even if that means that he may go up in flames at the end of the day, he's my number one because I see a gap between him and Nick number two, Drake may, which is the prototype. Like this is the guy that you could look back Nick and say, he should have been the number one quarterback in this class outside of the fact that an alien and a very unique player sits in, sits in front of him. He is your 6'3 king, your 230 king, your 4'5 king. He's your big, strong, like, guy that throws the ball at 
all levels of the field well. He is outrageously well coached. And I actually want to credit the player here when I say that, because not everybody takes to coaching as well as it's very obvious that Drake may does. Drake May goes through the game script. Drake May operates with precision. Drake May sees the field even if he sticks within the limited framework of what I think his coach asks him to do. But when you watch or when you look at physical toolkit plus play on the field, I think Drake May is clearly number two. Number three is where things get weird, Nick, because I've seen a lot of love for Jaden Daniels. And I'm not about to tell you I think Jaden Daniels is the worst or something like that. What I will say is I would be wary of any quarterback that's played that many snaps, four starters or four starting seasons worth of snaps at a very different level than he played his fifth season that he only got because of the COVID year. So if Jaden Daniels doesn't get the COVID year, we don't see this Jaden Daniels. So does that mean that you're getting Lamar Jackson 2.0, but drastically more reckless? Or are you getting a player Uh that figured out how to dominate college with Nick, not one, two, First round receivers that are both declaring this season. One of I, I, which, I would say top top fifteen NFL draft pick. Yeah, and, and one of them rival one of them that would be the first receiver taken if not for the fact that a space alien is in his class, right? Yes, and that's yes. Malik Neighbors. So. Right. Jaden Daniels, I think I'm a little lower on than a lot of people that are getting very excited. But Nick, I like J.J. McCarthy, too. In a world where the Bears could trade back to nine or, well, I guess they're at nine. So they could trade back to eight or something like that. McCarthy could be an intriguing compete with Justin guy where the aim would be that he's going to push Justin, but Justin's going to play for a year in an attempt to prove himself. And if he doesn't, then you took the raw McCarthy and you tried to build him into an NFL quarterback. But that's my spiel, right? Where Mm -hmm. as we talk through who these quarterbacks are, I see Caleb, small gap, Drake, bigger gap, probably Jaden Daniels if you want the player that you got to start today and JJ McCarthy if you're looking a little longer term and then another gap and we could get into the rest but I'm not Joel Clad I don't need to give you my fifth quarterback because no, I don't no. think it matters no I I think we're, we're we're fairly close there I think I'm a little higher on May than you are um I think he throws May's guys good open he is good I but I I mean I think I know off air talks I think I'm a little higher on May than you he I think he throws more guys open Yes, um, and he's he's still very creative. He's just not like you said, alien. Like C- Caleb's just like again, some guys won't get this Gumby like. Like he's so right. flexible and with his movements and his freestyle. If you want to think of like you know, think of um, uh, the and one mixtape. Like he's yes. a, he's like a playmaker. He's like he's like that guy. Life. What's it? The the professor on the YouTube, professor, man. Yeah, where, where you watch him and you go, how did you do that? Yes. And Caleb yes. does that. Whereas May is more like watching a classic power forward. If we're sticking to basketball, where he dominates, you know why he dominates because he's yeah. bigger than you. And he yep. like May to, to me, Nick. If I was gonna put numbers on this, this is like talking about a ninety six and a ninety four and making it out like that two points is Mm -hmm. a huge gap it's not may is extremely classically good when i say he would be i think the clear-cut number one overall pick if not for caleb williams i mean that really well like may but it is a weird draft nick because the existence of two top choices continues to make everybody think well if there's two then there really must be none but we're looking at two quarterbacks that both would sit with Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow at that table level of prospect where you go, these guys are legit. And we're picking our favorite flavor of those two. Maybe. Oh yeah. So, so speaking of that, in this first trade scenario, Mm -hmm. you trade down from one Oh one to one Oh two with Washington. Washington has to have Caleb Williams. He's from DC. It's the new ownership, new coaches, new regime. And they want Caleb bad. And we've we've heard some of those yep. rumblings, okay? Yep. In this trade, you get the second overall pick. You get the 36th overall pick, which I think is not Chicago's. I think that's their own. But either way, you get the Montez Sweat-ish pick back. You get a 2025 first and a 2025 second. And then you could take Drake May. What do you think about that offer? 
So earlier in this offseason, not this offseason, it was the earlier in the season. It's been our first series or season of the podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, make sure that you rate it and like it. We appreciate your support. We're at like 75 reviews on Spotify and like 50 on Apple. Let's get those numbers up. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. But Nick, earlier you pitched me, what was it, a future first plus Jeffrey Simmons from Tennessee for them to come up to number one. And I turned it down because I was trying to be all on principle or whatever. You have to take this. If Washington really wants to basically, I'm trying to think of like a G-rated way to say what you know I'm saying, right? If Washington wants to sell you their entire future, you have to let them. Like at this, Drake May is just not a far enough fall off of Caleb Williams to not take the extra second, but mostly that extra first and the extra second. That's insane. And then if Caleb goes on to become a Hall of Famer and a one of one guy, shoot. (laughs) And hopefully you at least got a Kirk Cousins player to pat yourself on the back on. But the odds are, and the reason you're drafting Caleb Williams, this needs to be said more, Nick. You're drafting Caleb Williams so that he can probably be Kyler Murray and maybe be a little bit better than that because Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray lands you a quarterback that's in the top 10 if on the bottom end of the top 10, and that's quite the improvement for Chicago. Drake May can hit that same mark. That would be Jared Goff. That would be Kirk Cousins. That would be, everybody wants to say Josh Allen, but like a slightly more mobile Justin Herbert that maybe doesn't immediately come to the table with the passing acumen that Justin Herbert has obviously had. Mm -hmm. This is a good player. And if you really got me, not just three more picks, three really high picks. I mean, I think you have to take it. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's where I'm at too, because I like Drake May that much. And because I think it takes more than a quarterback to carry a team, which is what I think people think of. I think this is for, uh, for sure. Yes. Where it gets a little dicey for me would be if it's um, like, if it's only one Oh two and two seconds, I don't think that would be enough for me. If you offered um, me one Oh two 36 and the 2025 one, I am very seriously thinking about it. And I would right. spend days deliberating like it, yeah. in the world of right on the line, like, I'm not coming off number one. Robert Schmitz would absolutely just like, I would lose sleep over, man, they're offering me yep. that. And all I got to do is that, go that's back. That's the sweet spot. spot. I think that's the sweet. Well, because, because Adam Schefter, right. You know, again, they're, they're, they're guessing, but when, when Schefter and Rappaport talk, it's a little different than when it's anyone else. He said the asking price starts from moving from one Oh one to one Oh two with two first round picks. And so that's why people, when they're like, well, Look on the draft trade chart. It's it should be a third and you know whatever. It's not because that it's it's two firsts. So so that's why if it's more than two firsts, I think that's where the sweet spot is. I made it two seconds just to see if I can get you off of Caleb, and that sounds true. Okay, so let's let's keep going with this. Okay, let's keep going. Let's 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 lessen this. Okay, let's make it your sweet offer where it's one oh two. 36 this year and a 2025 first. Okay. Uh Let's say you deliberated for a couple of days and then I know you, you know, and you decided, yes, now you're at one Oh two. Atlanta comes knocking. They're like, Hey, we can't, we can't go with Desmond Ritter again. Okay. Okay. So you already have those picks. And then, and, and then they, they offer me what? Uh, do you mind if I put some creative liberties on the scenario? Sure, yeah, go ahead. Out? Go ahead. So they offer me 108, 43, the 2025 first, the 2025 or the 2026 first. So three firsts and a future second. And then I look at them and I say, I don't need the second, but I mean, what? I mean, I guess you'd have to give me Drake London. I really want this pick. And they go, Ooh. done. And I go, shoot. <laughs> wow. So you're getting you're getting the better than DJ Moore offer here then. Well, because at this point, Atlanta knows that you're what you're having to give up, right? You could argue that the negotiating leverage that Washington has, as as weird as this sounds, the negotiating leverage that Washington has to keep this deal at a first and a second is that you're still getting Drake May. Everybody's right. aware 
that you're getting that you're moving up for a player with all kinds of hype behind him. And as much as you think that's silly, let's not forget, Bears fan, Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel were first rounders. Hype gets you far, especially when it comes to quarterback scouting. So you're moving from the guy with all of the buzz to the guy without all the buzz, which was CJ Stroud not long ago. The buzz doesn't really matter. It just seems to impact trade capital, right? So Atlanta is pitching me. They have to buy me off of one of these top quarterbacks. You mm-hmm. have to you have to go from these guys to the rest. And I'm sitting here thinking we could even trade the 2026 first for London if that makes you feel better. Just because okay. I'm envision I'm envisioning a conversation where Atlanta goes, we'll we'll offer you all this, and you as the Bears GM get cheeky with it, and you go, ah, I mean, come on. Like, you're yeah. not going to give me this, right? It's like and they, go, they go, that's what you need? Done. And you go, because if you told me that somehow the Bears could land at eight with their first pick, and they did have DJ Moore and Drake London, because that's an unbelievable pair for right. DJ Moore. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I don't know that Justin Fields would, like, live up to those receivers, but this is the point where you'd build a team so good, man, you'd sign a Gardner Minshew. You'd throw money at some solution. You'd bring in legitimate competition because it wouldn't be time to fart around anymore. Like, right. forgive my language there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you as a coach, well, Nick, would say, Justin, we love you, but you know the team that you're looking at. Like, we have to bring in as yep. much competition as possible because we cannot not make the playoffs with this group. Mm-hmm. Well, well, essentially what this offer is, if it's the first and it's not Drake London, then it's it's the DJ Moore offer with DJ Moore being a first is what it is. Right. Or if you put London in instead of the, the, the other first, then it's the same thing. It's the DJ Moore offer. That's why I had it that way. Right. And here's the other part to this. So if you do this trade, you still have that extra first from Washington, y'all, right? So you have so much draft capital, I think, in the future that like if it doesn't work out, you have this squad around a rookie quarterback you can get next year or the year after. Quinn so that's a little insulation. <laughs> the I will tell you one unspoken part about this. The 2025 quarterback class is just not inspiring a lot of confidence. That's not to say that they can't be good. But remember how earlier we said, and I'm throwing out arbitrary numbers, everybody, that Caleb was like a 96 and Drake May was like a 94. I would be pretty surprised if Shadir Sanders, who I tend to think will be the quarterback one from next year, would grade out any higher than, what do you think, Nick, like an 89? Good player. No, I'm with you. Good player. Him him and and Quinn Ewers would be the other one. And Ewers might be like an 87 at that point. And mostly off tools, because we're still not 100% sure that guys can make any decisions. So, so in this scenario, though, let's say it's not Drake London. You get the three firsts and two seconds. Mm-hmm. Are you moving off of Drake May, rolling with Fields, and getting this draft capital? If So I think that you could flip a coin, right? Me, personally, I would probably stick with Drake because what Drake gives me as a GM, who's now going into his third year, is two years of relative safety. To, at which at any point, if we experience just making the seven seed, then my owner gets off my back, right? And I probably get an extension to ride out this rookie. Whereas if I trade down, I could show him all of the draft capital I assembled for him. And he could very easily say back to me, right, Sashi Brown, you yeah, did do that, didn't you? I know. He's going to do all the drafting for us because. All right. All right. All right. Hold on. Let's change this up a little bit. Okay. Sure. There's some, you know, there's some rumblings, you know, and I and I know it's in division. Okay. The the same trade happens with Washington, but Minnesota gives you a call. They offer you eleven. They offer you a future first, whether it's twenty five or twenty six, doesn't matter. And Justin Jefferson. Oh my gosh. Okay, so first of all, Justin Jefferson and DJ Moore would be some like Madden stuff. <laughs> That would be unbelievable. But I got to ask you a weird question, Nick. Again, we're talking about a story that's not getting talked about a lot, and I'm going to put the tinfoil hat on. Why haven't they gotten a contract done yet? 
I, I've heard that they don't like to give multiple year, future years of guarantees in. Like it's only one year. Sure. They did, they did it more with more than one for Hawkinson, but not a ton. That's just something they traditionally don't do. And I assume Justin Jefferson wants like three years fully guaranteed I bet he or does. more. Here's my take. Conspiracy theory and all, right? This deal should be easy. You reset the wide receiver market. It's that easy. Like yep. Justin Jefferson you are now going to reset the wide receiver market. Here you go. Unless, in true receiver fashion, maybe there's a chance Justin Jefferson doesn't want to be paid like a wide receiver. Maybe he wants to be paid like one of the most valuable players, regardless of uh-huh. position, in ball right now. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this, Nick. You call up Justin Jefferson's agent before you make this trade. Because you're not going to make this trade without an extension for Justin Jefferson, right? That would just right. be ridiculous. Right. And he tells you, oh, we're looking for top three position player money in the NFL. That's the asking price. <laughs> Does that change your mind about a trade offer, <laughs> offer like this? Or do you tighten the belt and say, well, I guess we're saving in other positions and, and make the deal No, anyways. 100% it changes it because I'm not going to pay a receiver – Fifty million dollars. I mean, not so. You're not on the quarterback market, but we'd be looking at like thirty-four, thirty-five million dollars a year for Justin Jefferson. I would pay him thirty-four, thirty-five million dollars a year. I mean, he's valuable as heck. He's 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 on pace to be the best wide receiver ever in NFL history, and that's with good old Kirk throwing him the ball. Like the hope would be that maybe, just maybe, you can do more than with Kirk Cousins. It's. If, if for no other reason right now, then I would, if I got that offer from Minnesota, I might immediately call, uh, <laughs> I would probably immediately call the Broncos and I'd immediately call the Falcons and I'd immediately call the Raiders and I'd be like, guys, guys, give me something. Like, I know you, I, hey, you've got a scenario for the Raiders on here. So let's say that Minnesota gives me that offer and I go, I really don't want to do an in-division trade. The moment that Drake may push up 330 yards on us, we're fired. So yep. I call yep. the Raiders, and what do they say they're willing to offer me? Right, yeah. So so that that's a part of this debate in the, the debate, too, is it's in-division. <laughs> so the Raiders' offer is almost exactly what Minnesota's is, where it's, it's the 13th overall pick. It's a 2025 first. It's Max Crosby. Now, again, the difference is Max Crosby has already signed his long-term extension deal, so you save a lot of money there. So it's the DJ Moore trade. Yes. And, oh my gosh, can I just say, Nick, Max Crosby and Montez Sweat on the same defensive line would be hard to contain myself as we talked through. Like, we're starting to look at such a glut of first-rounders as we talk through these options that you would have to sit out free agencies because you couldn't afford to not sign your draft class if you ended up signing too many guys, which would just be a funny problem to have. But I tend to think, this is my opinion, that if you were going to stick with Justin Fields, maybe bring in a little bit of competition. This Raiders deal, especially if you can get the Raiders to throw you like a third as a sweetener or something like that, because yes, you got Max Crosby. Yes, you got the 2025 one, but Max Crosby isn't worth Justin Jefferson would be the argument that I think I could successfully make to them. And yeah. so I'd say, and you're coming from two spots below. Like, right. you got to right. give me a little bit of something. But right. at that point, if you're already moving off of two, if somehow during the scouting process, we realized that Drake may, I don't know, has a terrible relationship with his mother and George McCaskey's just not going to let that fly. I, <laughs> scouting's weird, right? If we decided that we were trading, I would definitely think about an offer like that. But I don't know. Just because for me, Nick, I think that it's the right time to reset at quarterback. It would take a historic offer to get right. me to move off of two. So Off of one, I'm talking. Off okay. of two, oh, you really got to so, sell me. So which of those offers do you like the best? If you had a, if if you were like, hey, I, I'm gonna pick one, Atlanta, Minnesota, or Raiders with those offers, which one would you pick? Atlanta gave me, I think, the most here because they offered me three first round picks, and I think that there's all kinds of value there. The veteran player is great, but the moment that you pay Justin Jefferson thirty four million dollars, if you want to get surplus value out of him, you have to you have to 
I mean, he has to live up to more than $34 million. And especially because, Nick, another piece to this Chicago conversation, is it going to be so ridiculous when at the end of next season, DJ Moore comes to Ryan Poles and says, give me my money? I mean, it won't be ridiculous at all, right? So Mm -hmm. part of me helps looks at the receiver room and thinks the Bears need a young receiver just as much as they need a receiver. And the moment that you got a... The moment that you bring in a Justin Jefferson, your receiver room gets really expensive. And yes, you have a what you hope would be a rookie quarterback. But I mean, that's the other part of this, right? If you got Justin Jefferson, can you even afford Justin Fields' deal? You could probably make it work. You, but you yeah. have to do some pretty hefty restructuring to fit it all together. If you're sticking with Fields, and if you did all this to not stick with Fields, you're just gonna have to be able to sell a very unorthodox plan at that point to your owner well i mean the bears are going to be one of those teams that's kicking it down the road you know kicking the can of of salaries and restructures and signing bonuses and void years all that kind of stuff the super Um, Steelers, right where you had dj moore and justin jefferson and you're hoping mm -hmm. for better than mason rudolph which god i justin fields is better than mason rudolph i i am not trying to apply that so the super Um, Steelers in all fashions I have one other one that I threw on Twitter. I'm just curious if you think it would be a fair deal mm-hmm. or you would entertain it. Um, You give up. Okay. You get to the ninth overall pick. Mm-hmm. All three receivers are gone. Brock Bowers is gone. Okay. Do you trade the ninth pick to the 49ers for Brandon Ayuk and their 31st overall pick? First of all, probably. But at the same time, I want to talk about this. You still run into that same cap issue. The moment you get it. That's why. Yep. Yep. Which I think Ayuk is a phenomenal player. The other piece of this that I know I would worry about personally, Nick, I think Brandon Ayuk is awesome. If Brandon Ayuk doesn't want to stay in San Francisco, where he just got an all pro, where he could easily get paid, where he just caught, what, 1,300 yards, Mm -hmm. what more is this guy going to ask for? Right. I can't help but think, and I'm just talking out loud. You set me straight if you disagree that we kind of saw this with Devontae Adams, too, where not every receiver that wants to leave their successful former location does better at the next place. Mm -hmm. And some of that, not all, but like Devontae Adams leaves and immediately he what he has to go to court over an incident where he pushes a cameraman for nearly no reason out of frustration. Well, like, well, it's not just receivers, Robert. That's the whole thing of like trading for guys or free agents. I mean, Russell Wilson mm-hmm. did not do it in Denver. Deshaun Watson has not paid off in Cleveland yet. Like, and those are guys in their prime. Call, sure, it worked for some, but it doesn't work all the time. Call me nuts, but there's this beautiful dynamic that I think the Bears are prepared to set up, whether it's Roman Dunze that they're able to draft, or maybe they have to trade back. Maybe they end up with Adonai Mitchell. Maybe they end up with Keon Coleman. Maybe they end up with Brian Thomas. But you know who those guys aren't going to question is DJ Moore. Like, they get to come into an offense where eventually they will have their day. They might even be number one wide receivers. I don't think it's out of the question that a guy like Keon Coleman, I really mean this man, could become somewhere between T. Higgins and A.J. Brown, especially at the high end of his comp, right? But you don't know that, and you don't have to, because D.J. Moore's on the roster. You just have to be George Pickens, a couple, or as a rookie, where you go out, you rock out with, what, 700, 750, 800 yards? Like, that's a very healthy season, and then you step into the limelight in year two, year three, as DJ Moore turns 28, 29. It's the perfect time to it get is. younger at it receiver. Yep. And don't get me wrong, Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, all kinds of these options would flat out rule, especially in 2024. But they would create slightly more foundation problems as you stretched on into the future that if you nail this draft pick now, ooh, man. The road opens up. Like, here's a question. So, Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison are gone. You're sitting at nine. You can take Bowers or the Steelers are calling. They'll give you this year's two and a future one to come up to nine 
to take JJ McCarthy. Uh, is Bowers twenty? And you still get twenty. Is oh, Bowers yeah, that good? I'm not even thinking about it. Yes, I'm. I'm not thinking about it either. And if the Bears could ride that quarterback tax, because Bears fan, most teams don't want to trade up any further than they have to. If the they want to trade up to the last team that'll take them, and the Jets sit right behind the Bears, and I don't think the Jets want a quarterback, but just behind the Jets is the Vikings, who probably want a quarterback. Behind them are the Broncos, who if they got the opportunity, would probably want a quarterback. Behind them is the Raiders, who have been frankly kind of obvious that they want a quarterback. Mm -hmm. I personally think, Nick, I don't know where you sit on this, the Jets have to stick where they are and take a lineman. They are so bought into Rodgers that if they drop back too far, and end up with an Anton Harrison level player that might be good, but his first year won't be. Then they are start. The time is starting to tick, right? And somebody yep. like Fashanu, if he falls to number ten, or J.C. Latham would make a lot more sense than trading out to Pittsburgh. So even that, the Oregon State kid is that Fuaga? Uh, the Fuaga, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you might feel like you need to take him. Yep. So so then that leaves the Bears, not the Falcons at eight. You don't have to trade with them. You could trade with the Bears at number nine, and mm-hmm. that could be basically your Justin Fields move, right? Yep. Like, yep. even at, what if you even just got the future first? Pittsburgh will give you not the second, but they'll give you a future first to go back to 20. And yes. then yep. I'm thinking about it too. And in the world of trade downs, part of me thinks that if the Bears do take a quarterback, that one's on the table. We'll see what happens. Maybe there won't be a market for it. But I really believe, Nick, I believe that there's going to be team on team on team on team that's going to look at J.J. McCarthy's film and go, maybe not maybe not this year, but the year after that? The year after that? I like this kid. Another yeah. option. Nick, is there any team in the NFL that values draft picks less than the Rams? <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Yes. They, 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 well, I mean, you know, you know the, the theme – you know, bleep those picks. Bleep those picks. Exactly right. Can you envision a better succession plan for Stafford than somebody just like JJ McCarthy that needs to sit a year anyways? Mm-hmm. And then Sean McVay instills all his little McVayisms into this kid because he can throw seeds over the middle, which is what McVay wants to do anyways, right? Oh no, mm-hmm. he's weak outside the numbers. They'll figure it out. Like well- <laughs> well, you you know what's interesting is is I think that I mean you look in the top ten, I mean or I mean I guess top eight because Chicago would take one at one likely. Um, besides the Chargers and the Cardinals, I mean what's stopping Tennessee from taking a quarterback? What's stopping the Giants? What's oh, you know, nothing stopping the Giants? I was actually surprised you didn't put the like, Giants in the scenarios. I think I they're going to consider think, number one. Yeah, I think all those teams could go quarterback, which I think you add in the Rams, you had in some of these other teams that you were just talking about. I think they're in the running for fields, just trading for fields. Like if it's that, if that's the way Chicago goes, because I know people are like, well, there's a limited market for him. Do you see how many teams don't have quarterbacks? Y'all like Justin Fields is not that bad. Unless you talk to some of their fan bases, they think Justin Fields can be had for a fourth round pick, but they're like the jets is correct. Figured out for them. Is Rogers going to come back? If he does, how long? Right. Uh, Minnesota, we just talked about them. I mean, I know Cousins has to sign somewhere. Like, you can go down the list. There are a lot of teams that don't have correct figured out. It's like, I think there's going to be, you're talking about for McCarthy, right? Or Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr., whatever. Right. We also could talk about this for, for Justin Fields. I think so. You hold on. Before, before we go into that one, though, we got to go to the other part of this pod I wanted to get to today. Oh, because man. at the 38 minute mark, the new long mark, and we're going I, all the way at it. Are you sure we have the time to fit this in? Oh, we do. We do. Cause I have to, we already touched on it some. Okay. So listen, y'all franchise tag season is coming around soon. And the bears have one player that I think would be franchise tag worthy. It's Jalen Johnson. And I see all the time. People are posting stats from Jalen Johnson this year. Pay the man. He he made a, a play in the Pro Bowl, and he did the money sign. You know, we we get it, we get it. But Jalen Johnson is upping his price. It was at first it was going to be reasonable. Now he wants to be the top guy, and I I I understand. He had a good year. He had a good year. We've talked about on this pod before our concerns with him, but 
there was one big one I dove into. And this was the one that I had mentioned about Brett Coleman talked about once corners reach age 26, the majority of them are all pro at 26 or younger. It's 81%, I think. And then it's 60 some percent are pro bowl are 26 and younger. Jalen Johnson is 24.8 years old. Okay. You're going to turn 25 soon. So what I looked at is do corners fall off? And I'm talking like the good ones. Okay. So I just pulled again. We always reference PFF on here. So PFF, where they ranked as corner in their career arc. So I'll go through this quickly. Marshawn Lattimore, he's 27.7 years old. So again, Marshawn Lattimore, pretty good corner. His rankings have been seventh, 18th. Again, starts rookie year, y'all. So rookie year seventh. That's a good start. 18th, 53rd, 70th, 10th, 56th, 49th. That is a drop off. Jalen Ramsey, 29 right now. Obviously, we we know Jalen Ramsey. 23rd, 1st, 32nd, 26th, 9th, 1st, 3rd, 54th this past year. I know he had a knee injury, but is that the start of him falling off? He's kind right. of more of the outlier here. Darrell right. Revis, I don't He's have rank- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darrell Revis, I don't have rankings for him, but I have PFF grades. And again, maybe you could argue the GOAT corner, him and Dion, right? And in his top first six seasons he had four years 90 plus pff rating and his last five seasons after that it went 84.7 83.5 65.8 63.8 56.6 that's one of the best corners of all time steep drop off denzel ward got paid he's only 26.6 26.8 years old his rank has been 14th 36th 23rd, 11th, 88th, 41st. That's a drop-off. Jair was 25th this past season. He had a bit of a drop-off. He's only 27. A.J. Terrell, another good corner, 25. 52nd, 2nd, 61st, 23rd. Darius Slay, another good corner. 102nd, 26th, 10th, 11th, 16th, 24th. Okay, pretty good. 86th, 56th. Fourth, that's a bump, a bump. 21st, 56th. Two good seasons out of his last five. Marlon Humphrey, great Ravens defense, y'all. 27.6 years old. He's been 41st, 15th, 39th, 12th, 41st, 14th, 60th. Two out of his last four, two out of his last three years have not been great. Patrick Peterson, one of the best, two, another one. I mean, 34. He's hung on. And I don't have to go through it all. I mean, I think you guys might be sick by my numbers at this point. But only one of his last, let's see here, three, four, five, one of his last five seasons has he topped the 40s, the 40th spot. Jalen Johnson, first year, 84th. Second year, 50th. Third year, 67th. This year, first. That That is not consistency. We've talked about his injuries. We see that corners do drop off, and that's not like a a one. I mean, I have I just mentioned what eight to ten corners, Robert, and oh, these yeah. are the the best guys. I didn't I didn't like cherry pick. These are right. the best guys in the NFL. And Jalen Johnson only has one good season, I think. I mean, he has. I mean, one obviously one elite season. I mean, the other ones. I mean, you could say above average, maybe a couple of them, but. And you want to pay him top corner money when he's going to turn 25 soon because you know what the end of that contract is going to look like. So here's my question to you, Robert. I'm, I'm a tag fan. You're a tag fan. Mm-hmm. What if someone comes to you with a trade offer? What would you be willing to trade away Jalen Johnson for? Like, the, you know, the, the tag and trade scenario. Me personally, not much. I mean, obviously, you could talk me into it if you offer me a first and a second. Like, yeah, okay, we've got ourselves a conversation. But if you offered me just a straight up first, as much as I know, some people are going to think that this sounds ridiculous. I don't think that the Bears defense needs to lose both of his its DB leaders in one offseason. And I do think that thing matters. Like, I think turning the entire DB room from Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson over to Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, and Tyreek Stevenson. Plus, now you have to backfill another corner, whether that's a free agent or a rookie. 
is just more difficult than it sounds when instead, Nick, I can try to work out a deal that is a four-year deal with two years guaranteed that gets us a lower-than-the-cap figure this year, next year, a sizable figure, I'm sure, but then after that, it becomes a series of team options. I'm okay with that, right? Because as much as I know that I'm right there with you, that Mm -hmm. the idea that he's going to maintain a PFF ranking of top 10, to be honest with you, Nick, it's unlikely. The problem is, is that I see corner production as not dissimilar from tight end production. Look, I have this theory, right? And I don't want to get into Robert's grander, weird theories in on immediately right now. But I think many defensive positions can be comped to offensive corollaries. Maybe not the ones you'd expect, though, in terms of their performance. Just like how wide receiver is a very individualistic position, so too is defensive line, right? Just like how... Uh, offensive line is very similar to, uh, or just like how offensive line is a team-oriented position where, yes, your individual skill matters, but the total unit production is also sort of its own living, breathing organism, so too the defensive backs, right? And I would argue that, let's stick with that, offensive line is a better use case here, where to me, Nick, there's no denying that corners produce at the ability that their scheme allows them to and by scheme i mean defensive line plus assignment plus their execution of that assignment it is not an easy thing for the chiefs dbs to dominate but when you have chris jones in front of you and george karloftis and uh, oh gosh uh, who's the guy that they got felix anudike ozuma was it like from k-state he'll come along at some point you'd think and then at that point The DBs, yes, they've got a difficult job. Locking guys down for two and a half to four seconds isn't easy, but it's Mm -hmm. easier than it was. You mentioned Jalen Johnson, 84th ranked corner when he was a rookie playing with the dregs of what was left of the 2020 offense. And then Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, they're all jettisoned within a couple years and in a in something that I don't think is shocking, Jalen Johnson doesn't post a top 50 grade on teams that have no pass rush. Then this year, you get a whole bunch of things that go his way. Man, he's a couple drops away from a truly special 2019 Eddie Jackson-level DB season, obviously playing a different position. But to me, Nick, the fact that he's the number one corner and one of the few real veteran impact players in this young, young, young DB room has me thinking the locker room could use a leader, and I am willing to pay a premium for that but I'm not about to pretend that this is the right answer. This is me having an opinion, yeah. right? I, and, that, and that's the thing is like, I, I I get all of that if he was healthy. I get all that if oh, he's yeah. done this more than once. The Tevin but Jenkins. Just, and and he wants top money now. So so to me, that's like that's, 25 million a year. That has to be leverage. If you, I bet you today, today, Nick, if you offered him $45 million guaranteed at, a 22 million AAV he's signing before you like before he goes to sleep. I don't know. I think I don't he know. is like, there, there, obviously there's a line there. We have to figure that out. But to me, seeing that corners drop off, seeing that he's been injured every year, I wouldn't offer there's no consistency here. I, I, I would trade clear. him away. I, this sounds weird. I would trade him away, Robert, because then that gives you another 18 million. Then sure. You want to go sign, the uh the D tackle from the Ravens, I'm not even gonna try to say his last name. Or you want to go get Daniel Hunter, and then the pressure is way off of all of your DBs, and it changes the dynamic. Cause I would rather have the D line than I would have and pay a corner and hope that he holds on because it just rarely happens. So I have this vision, and I need to pull up Nick. I need you to make a point to stall for me because I just had an idea that happened spur of the moment. So Talk a little bit more about corner and give me about 30 seconds. Well, okay. So the the biggest issue with corner is that it is a position where you are reacting to wide Mm -hmm. receivers at all the time. And that Mm -hmm. that makes it difficult because you have to be both fast, you have to be physical, and you have to be agile and have balance and be able to cut out of breaks that it's like, it's it's one of the most difficult positions. Nickel, I think is the hardest. Outside is also really hard, but like, Playing in that area is so difficult. That's why I think the drop-off happens, Robert, because when you don't have that top athletic ability, think of running backs. They come in the league by storm. Boom, they're still great athletes. 
Right. Then you start getting that 25, 26, 27, 28 year old running back. They have to be crafty. Receivers can still be crafty. Mike Evans is still doing it because he's yes. crafty. Cooper Cup because he's crafty. Remember, when, they don't remember have those years where Tracy team. Porter was crafty in a Bears uniform? And by that, oh, I mean he got geez. beat all the time. Oh, like, geez. We loved you, Tracy. But yep. yeah, you get it. So to me, that's why the fall off is there's, and that's why I think like continue reinvesting with the rookies makes sense at corner, just like it would at running back. So I've got my point and I'm loaded. And I think you're going to like this idea. Okay. So looking at the 2025 unrestricted free agents, and yes, this is going to matter. Which of these is most likely to command the franchise tag? In your opinion, Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, Jack Sandborn. Uh, well, it depends on what the Bears do at quarterback. De- definitely depends on what the Bears do at quarterback. So, like, that nonwithstanding. If Justin Fields isn't on the roster, are you right now wanting Tevin Jenkins extended? I'm I think you could get. To, I think you could get to the table with Tevin, and I think that given his career arc, that he would take the money. So, so you're, you're, you're franchise tagging Jalen Johnson twice. That's the idea, is basically, okay. I, can, I think I could get my two-year deal like it or not, because the franchise tag, as I understand it, is $18 million right now for corners. Yep. So you get $18 million, and then the year after that, you multiply it by 20%. So you add right. tack on about $4.5 million. You get about $22.5 million. You average those two, Nick. We're talking about a $20 million AAV two-year hey, deal. I'm good. I'm good with that and idea, This is man. fine. This is totally fine. <laughs> I'm good with that idea. And so my thought is the Bears can tag Jalen Johnson and in an absolute worst case scenario, you might just tag him again and then mm-hmm. keep him on the team next year. And then you can get a replacement plan in either this year or next year, because actually, yeah, the math changes a little bit by 2025. I would hope Tyreek Stevenson is ready to handle number one corner duty. I mean, there is no such thing, right? That's the other piece of this, Nick, that goes unspoken a lot. There is no such thing as a number one corner because most defenses play left and right corner. And if you want to go with the guy on the left, you just bump your receiver in that direction and you attack him anyways. And so I think at that point, you'd hope your guy is ready. Maybe you get the chance to draft a DB in this draft. I doubt it. There's just not enough slots for you to spend at a corner that you're going to sit on the shelf, but you might be able to add a rookie with one of your billion day two picks in 2025. You have two second rounders. One of those could easily be a corner to take over after Jalen Johnson leaves the subsequent year. Part of me is thinking Nick that we might be over engineering things. If we're tagging and trading him, the bears have all the control here, all of the control here. Jalen doesn't have leverage whether he wants to think he does or not, because the Bears have a very flexible franchise tag and enough room next year to house him on that deal. But that's just a vision that I had right now, and I've not done enough research to absolutely confirm. No, I, hey, you got me on board with that. That's fine. But but when you start getting four or five-year deals out and guaranteed money that goes you know, away, you know, because you have to also think in, oh, yeah. you know, Fields extension or Caleb, you start thinking those years out, like this is... I mean, the window is five years, but paying a corner top money four years from now when I don't think there's going to be top 50 play. I'm not trying to offend anybody, man. This is just uh, this is looking at all of the corners and oh, yeah. how they how they are over time. I, I just think he's going to drop off. And it's not going to be worth it. The theme of 2024, in my opinion, is stability. I think that the more stability that you can bring to the roster, both through offensive talent upgrades and keeping core defensive players in place, Nick, the better it will be for a rookie quarterback, because that's the direction I ultimately think the Bears are going to assimilate. And then at 2025, when you're hoping Caleb's kind of got his sea legs under him a little bit, or maybe it's Drake, or maybe it's Jaden, or maybe it's J.J. McCarthy. Well, hey, maybe it's Justin Fields, but let's assume it's a rookie quarterback for a brief moment. In year two, you're not expecting the guy to win the MVP, but it's drastically more likely for him to play at that top five level than it is that he'll do it as a rookie. I think you'd agree with that, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, you're hoping for that second step. And at that point, yeah, okay, if your defense takes a slight step backwards, not a major step, nobody's aiming for the 28th ranked defense in 2025, right? But if you took a small step backwards because you're figuring life out at corner, yeah, welcome to life in the NFL. It is just not Mm -hmm. always going to be super mega rosy. But in 2024, as corny as it may sound to some people, 
yeah, if you can add that extra player or keep that extra player like Jalen Johnson, who helps make or who even for one more season, Nick, just keeps teams from attacking his side quite like they attack other sides. That's going to help keep scores low. That's going to give you a shot at the key six or seven games where you'd like to see Caleb come out with a win. But I think part of that, Robert, is with two high safeties, corner isn't as valuable anyway. Like, you can't get attacked as much because you have help over the top. You have help with bracketing that you didn't have when the cover one, cover three days. Well, they play so much cover three. If they played more two this year, I'd be right there with you. But I'm actually shocked at how much three Flu seems to want to play. And so, good for him. It just means you need those corners that can do a little both. But either way, there's one more guy I want to talk about just as we wrap this show up, okay? Because I thought for sure with all the conversation about guys like Neil Hunter, that the Bears were getting set to spend big at edge rusher. You and I have talked about this, about a name like AJ Epinesa ultimately being the buy lower option, unless the Bears go through all the throes of restructuring this guy and changing that guy's contract. But today, Brad Biggs throws the name Lloyd Cushenberry into the pile. And Nick, if you're telling me that the Bears took a former third rounder, now a 26-year-old veteran center that just had a very good season in a slew of pretty good seasons, uh, Bears fan, you may want to you may want to strap in your seatbelt here as I say this. Good pass blocker, and you add that veteran presence that maybe your rookie quarterback needs. Nick, if the Bears actually spend big and by big, right, we mean seven million dollars a year, I would be juiced. If they added that kind of a guy to the Bears offensive line. Well, yes and no. So I, I debated uh, with Brad Spielberger on this because he he also talked about it. I, I'm not as pumped about that Ooh. because he projected Cushionberry to have a $14 million, $14 million per year deal. Per year? Per year. Oh, that's a big contract. <laughs> so to me, that I, I would shy away from that. Now, Lloyd Cushionberry, I mean mainly started for three years. Um, he had some injuries in 2022. Um, I mean, his, per his ranking and where he's been, he's had one top 10 season. He's been, he was 21st, another year among centers. And other than that, it was, I mean, rookie year was not quite good, a better pass blocker than run blocker, as you said, but at that price point, give me Aaron Brewer, the guy for Tennessee, our assistant online coach was an assistant online coach in Tennessee. Give me the chance on Connor Williams, right? With injuries issues, um, Evan Brown just got, uh, or Evan Brown, Seattle, there's some familiarity. He's a low tier guy, but if you can get him cheap or uh, who's the guy for, didn't one get cut from the, the, the Rams today, Brian Allen, Brian Allen, He's been you know, so like, bad for the last yeah. two years. Like I'd right. be, I'd be so there, but there's definitely part of me, Nick. So I want you to know, I am so there with what you're saying. I also want to say out loud, just even because I think the fan inside me needs to just get this message out. So I'm sorry. Thank you for putting up with me. That if the Bears overspent on offense once in a blue moon and got, let's say, $10 million worth of ROI out of a $14 million deal for Lloyd Cushenberry per year, I think I could stomach it if it's in pursuit of giving a rookie quarterback maybe the best historic situation that the number one pick has ever walked into. If that's our great sin is overspending in pursuit of surrounding the young quarterback with a veteran presence center. Cause the other piece of this, Nick, that I think about is like, I want that guy that's going to be able to go, Hey, Hey, they're twisting. They're twisting. I've seen yeah. this before. I've played in this league for years. This is a twist. You know, that's coming right kid. And Caleb doesn't because he's a rookie. He's never yep. seen that before. He's been playing air raid ball against teams that run five coverages. Well, he's had a bad interior line, just like Justin Fields has too. So he's not even used to it. So I'm with you on that. The, here's another part with that. A lot of these free agent centers. So Andre James is there too. He's, he's solid. Cushionberry, uh, Connor Williams, I mentioned already, Aaron Brewer. Those are probably the four I like the most. They're all 26. And... I know people are all about JPJ in the draft, but you got you, you got a few guys that could play center in this rookie class. I oh, think yeah. center's a really deep position. I think Chicago could go veteran only. They could go rookie, hope he starts only. Or you could go 
cheaper rookie, cheaper veteran, and have double. Like, there's a lot of good options, I think, this year. I mean, especially if you scooped a guy, if he fell, and it would take him falling, which is good luck based on the tape that we're seeing, right? But if somehow you manage to get Evan Brown, who's kind of the Lucas Patrick of Seattle, maybe he's yeah. a little better than Lucas Patrick, but I wouldn't plan for much just before no. you go make it your highlight reel. Right. But then you also draft a Zach Frazier who steps yeah. in for him yep. once Frazier gets fully accustomed to the NFL. That could be a coup, but that's where guys like us can get caught theory crafting instead of remembering that you are trying to get your roster set before the draft rather than planning for the draft. You yep. need that free agent receiver because what if no receiver falls to you? You need yes. that free agent center because what if you don't land the center that you want? As much as we like to combine free agency and the draft into one big meld, you have to walk out of free agency with a roster that is good enough because what happens if you don't, Nick? I've got the answer for you. You get backed into signing Yannick Ngakwe to a deal that is best left forgotten. It didn't matter because it's not our money, but somebody right. spent $10 million to get no pass rush. Yeah, and- I, mean, but, but, I mean, there are free agents. I mean, I think Marcus Davenport signed late too. I mean, there's a few, and that's kind of why oh, sure. they're still out there. They're hanging around, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And, and it's, Oh, I, for, uh, the the center for Dallas, man, in your in your town there, he's a free agent too. Man, there you go. Like it should yeah. be, it should I, be a fun time. Can't I, wait. I, I got one other thing. Give okay? me. There, there's this Justin Fields interview today. Something I'm irritated about. Okay, this is part of why. If Justin Fields goes, I might be okay with it, and if Jalen Johnson goes, I might be okay with it. Both again, Twitter and in the interview said they have lebron over michael jordan robert i can't have that i can't have that come on come on in chicago you can't have that know your lane know your lane know your lane like so just some things that irritate me all okay we know we know mj's number one you could debate number two all you want or, or three sure go ahead kobe him you know wilt whatever but mj's the goat and I mean, hey, all I'm saying, look, I we've said this on this pod before. I hope that if Chicago needs a bit of an ass to be a winner in the city, that maybe just maybe that that choice in Caleb Williams, who is already rubbing fans the wrong way with pictures like the the dress picture that he did. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't think it's a straight up dress. Not that it makes a difference. No. It's just the nail painting, his weird ticks with sugar and all the other stuff that Caleb does where he's unashamedly Caleb, man, hopefully he's one of, he becomes, I mean, that would be the hopeful again. I'll stick to if he's Kyler Murray, if he's somebody that you and I can look at in a couple of years and we can go, okay, he, he kind of slaps. That's good enough. But man, if he hit that upper echelon of players, anyways, I don't want to ever make this about not fields, I guess, because fields gave or fields in his interview today was so relaxed and so cool and reminded me that if we were grading swagger or likability as a quarterback trait, fields is generational. Fields has been so easy to cheer for. He's been so easy to root for. He's so easy to like. And he's somebody that if things don't work out in Chicago, I am legitimately disappointed. It just is not something I'm going to let blind me from the opportunity that the Bears have. Because if you switched it, Nick, if the Bears had screwed Caleb Williams and they had the opportunity to draft Justin Fields, the same decision would get made here. Where you would still be looking at a team that's drastically readier to move to a rookie quarterback, to house that rookie quarterback, and to utilize and weaponize everything that makes that rookie quarterback great. It's a Mm -hmm. bummer it worked out this way. The loser that is paying, the guy left holding the credit card bill here is Justin Fields. And that sucks. When you hear me talk, when you hear me talk about trading him, I know you know this. It comes from a place of it is better for Fields to get traded because the moment that a team trades for him, he gains back some leverage and some benefit of the doubt that I think he sorely needs right now. And he gets a fresh start. I mean, and and some confidence. Yep. Think about all the stories you've seen. You have to be a baseball fan, right? Mm. 
No. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, some. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan, but I'm I'm, I'm not. Big, I'm big into football, Robert. I was waiting. This, this, this I was waiting for more than. Mm, so then I'll stick to football. Recently, the quarterback renaissance is becoming more and more common than ever. Where Baker Mayfield moves to Tampa, finds his career again. Where Geno Smith moves to Seattle, finds his career again. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was the exact next name coming out of my mouth. <laughs> moves to moves to Tennessee finds his career again. I wish now granted, if I got to choose Justin Fields might get to go somewhere and somehow sit for a little bit where he got to unlearn some of the things that I believe are being hammered into him. Like right now, I think that there are too many coaches that want fields to run because he's so good at it. Whereas if he could take a step back, go a year without hits and start processing the game a slightly different way, then maybe he'd be able to heal some of his bad habits and start weaponizing his arm. Like I think you and I both know he can. I don't think he's going to get that chance, but hopefully he learns it on the job, finds that career renaissance. If he goes to Pittsburgh and they make the playoffs, you're extended baby. And and everybody wins. We hope, but you know, you know, one, one small thing that was on the podcast that, uh, so is the St. Brown brothers mm-hmm. uh, and St. Brown equally miss St. Brown said, man, when, when we need to play, all I would do, I wouldn't put in 13 personnel. I would spread you out. You guys run the routes. And if you blitz, then just obviously you're like, hey, dude's open, right? If you don't, you drop back, and then you're like, boom, and take off. Because like they talked about just how good he is running in that next level, you know? It's just what we think about. Mm-hmm. It's like the players think it too. It's like, yeah, hey, go deep. I can make a move on literally anybody on the field and make, make yards with my, with my right. feet, my legs. So it was kind of funny just to hear some of that, that pander, but, uh, but man, we're, we're at an hour. We were going to do a half hour. That's the magic of planning for a half hour is that instead <laughs> of an hour show that goes two, it's a 30 minute show that goes one. So <laughs> yep. if you enjoyed it, everybody, please rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify comment for all I care, your favorite color. I remember I said this at one point, I said, comment your favorite color. If you have nothing else to comment. And I got a couple comments that were blue green. And I'd forgotten that I'd said that in the show, Nick. And so I was like, why are people commenting this? No, 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 no. <laughs> comment your favorite color. If you got to this, and you it don't works. normally comment. I want to, I want to see some colors in the comment channel. Nick, what do you have coming up? Um, not a whole lot, really, man. We got a lot of good football coming. I mean, combines coming up. I want to get through some more prospects. Um, I want to get through some more receivers because I think that that second, third tier receiver is very, very good this year too. Mm -hmm. And Chicago could end up with a couple from that group and I'd be okay with it. So I'm working through more prospect film right now. Same. And over the weekend, I'm hoping that I can publish a couple scouting reports on DBs, baby, in my hunt, in my search for the safety of the future. Uh, But I like throwing some alliteration. If there's one thing that I could hope for, you mentioned the combine, right? And hopefully I'll be able to go, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go just because of money, but that's a separate question. Uh, If there's one thing that I can hope for, Nick, I want to just echo something Justin Fields said on the the St. Brown's podcast. I do hope this thing resolves itself, at least relatively soon if fields is getting traded i hope it happens relatively soon because taking this thing up to the draft call me impatient but i think that that's not going to help anybody i don't think that's going to help andrew billings i don't think that's going to help dj Moore. i don't think that's going to help anybody let alone justin fields or caleb williams Mm. if you do get the chance to make an offer i think it helps a lot of people if that's the direction you're going to just rip the band-aid now you know what i'm saying yep no, I'm with you. I mean, him saying that he's sick of it. I mean, that's the players who I think avoid the media. Just to, And you think that we're sick of it on Twitter, man? It just gives you an idea of like how many people are talking about this all the time. And it's just ready to be done with it. He had to unfollow the NFL alongside mm-hmm. the Bears because there's no chance the NFL wasn't posting about this thing on Instagram left, right, and center. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love putting this podcast on for you. You guys have a great rest of your day or night. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 